Hey, welcome back to the Leadership Fort Dodge podcast. We're so glad you're here. It's Kyle and I. Um, do you remember Kyle? He's. <laughs> I felt like you were welcoming me back yeah. because it's been so long since <laughs> I've been on here. Yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out if you guys intentionally like suspended me without me knowing it or... No, <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> Good to have you back on the show. Yeah. Uh, I'm not whining or anything, you know. It's not a pity party, but if you want to send me a gift, please do. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> no, it's it's good to be back. It's been coincidental. Um, and the other topics that we've talked about along the way, uh, we've had other leaders that have been great to talk. And yeah. as we've, as a staff, uh, just continue to brainstorm what these podcasts are going to be like, um, we're really trying to be strategic on who we put in them because there's specific topics that we all should be talking about. Um, uh, rather, I should say that better. Uh, there's specific topics that have specific leaders that should be talking about them. And so that's that's how we're uh, kind of working through this right now. So yeah, Absolutely. all joking aside, it is good to be back. Yeah. So today we're talking about discipleship um, and what that looks like in our leadership. Um, lately, this really dovetails with a lot of things we're emphasizing as a church yeah. as a whole and um, refining just this thing we're calling the discipleship path. And so uh, we're going to re-review that and solidify that here today. And then we're also just going to talk about, like, um, how does the role of discipler and leader, how do those overlap? And in what ways do we sometimes um, maybe overlook the discipleship role we have as leaders in the lives of the people we're leading? And um, and also it'll be kind of a challenge today to self-examine and be like, where am I maybe forgetting to bring discipleship into the leadership relationships I have. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I uh, um, Really, I hope that as uh, we as leaders listen to this podcast, we ultimately ask this question, is there, a, sh- should there be a distinguished, distinguished difference? You know, we call ourselves leaders. Uh, is there a difference between our leadership and our disciple making or our discipleship? And um, without just like point blank giving you my opinion or an answer, I think I, th- I think hopefully just this podcast will stir that uh, and really that theology, um, that ideology will will form and we'll have some clarity on it. So yeah. yeah. So here we go, guys. So um, you know that that great commission that says you know go therefore into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. So, like, right at the heart of Jesus' mission is this goal to be a discipler of others, a ty- disciple maker. Um, but it's uh, it's not something that we maybe think about all day, every day. How am I discipling others? So, yeah. um, lately, we've been... Um, defining, uh, like as, as you're growing in Christ, we've been defining it in five stages in this discipleship path. And so, um, kind of our first question is like, what do we really mean when we're saying this word discipleship path? And so, um, let's walk through those five steps. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, ultimately, I mean, uh, another word for path or as as we think about path, I mean, it's, it's a journey, you know? Um, and so there's always a starting point and, uh, there, there is a destination, and but, but mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's helpful as we start to unpack this is that um, 
you know, th- this isn't like uh, a destination where we arrive and then we're done. I mean, it's, 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 it becomes cyclical, you know? And so uh, I, I do think we have to kind of help clarify that, but you know, for all of us, we can even put how, how this journey began for us. There, there was some time in our life, mm-hmm. uh, whether we were four years old, because I know there are some leaders who say it was I was five when I came to Jesus, mm-hmm. um, or you know, some some who would say, "Man, it really it, my faith journey didn't kick off or begin until I was eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, but but somewhere that journey began where we recognized that uh, there was a place in our story where we weren't interested in God. Period. It didn't. It didn't matter if we were around people who were, or if we were even kind of, if especially as kids, were drugged to those environments where mm-hmm. people were talking about him. But 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 our position, our place, our posture was we weren't interested, and so that's a starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then something happens. Right? It's like, yeah. For, and for all of us, it can be a little different. But move move to that. Like now, I'm curious. And I'm not just curious for curiosities. I'm like I'm spiritually curious. I want to know like. Who is this God? Mm-hmm. What does he mean? It, it might even start out with like, what's he mean for me? Like what, what, what's my, I mean, that curiosity can just make us ask a lot of questions, but, but moving to that spiritually curious um, position where we can camp out in for quite some time. Yeah. Um, might not be a place that we get, I know we'll talk about this a little bit more, where we, where we get stuck, but like uh, we might have a lot of questions before we move on to the next uh, you know, the next phase of the journey or the next phase of the path. But uh, I'll, t- I'll turn it back to you to kind of yeah. talk about some of these. Yeah. Yeah. So um, because all of us jump in at different points and in different ways, it was helpful for us to say like, all right, we know that it's not going to be cookie cutter for everyone. But yeah. if we had five big buckets, five big steps that we could categorize people into and sort of it could short ch- shortcut our conversation to think, all right, what does this person at this phase in their relationship need? So here they are in order. So the first one is uninterested. So this is, um, if you think of it on the negative side of the number line, if you want to use that imagery, um, this is like way before Jesus is involved in my life. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not seeking, I'm not looking for God. He's looking for me, but I don't know it yet or I don't care. The uninterested is the first phase. Um, after that, there's a phase called spiritually curious. This is the second phase. It's still on the negative side of the number line. I'm still, I don't know Christ yet. Yeah. I'm spiritually curious. I'm Something has awakened me. Maybe I have uh, an encounter with a Christian, or I show up at a church once, or I have something happen in my life that starts making me ask more questions. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm now curious where I, before I, I just didn't have any curiosity at all. Yep. I'm curious, but I have not yet taken that step to trust Christ. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the second one. Um, the third one, right in that center of the number line, like day zero, the very, very beginning, um, we would call that, um, like stepping over the faith line. That's the faith line stage, uh, in the discipleship path. So step three is the faith line. So this is, uh, you've, if you've seen John Fuller preach, you've seen him take that big giant <laughs> step across the invisible line and saying, all right, from this day forward, I'm putting my trust in Jesus. Um, that's the faith line step. And then on the positive side of the number line, think about two more stages. Uh, the next one is we're calling being discipled, being discipled. This means I'm learning about God. I'm getting to know him more. Maybe I'm starting to attend church or a small group or I'm getting involved with serving. So I'm, I'm taking steps just in growing 
knowing God. Yeah. And then the fifth one, uh, the the, I mean, the furthest along on on the journey, yeah, is someone who is being a disciple maker, a yep. disciple maker. And this is what the focus of today is really going to be about. Um, what does it mean to now make disciples of others and lead others through that whole journey? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean that's it's uh, again coming back to something I said earlier. I mean that's that's the end, but it's not where we stop. I mean we we want to we want to get on that path, uh, and and we, we want to recognize where we're at on the path with the end goal to become a disciple maker. But when we get there, it doesn't mean all of a sudden like we're arriving. We have no more responsibility in our faith journey. Responsibility then turns more into how do I help other people along this journey? Yeah, and um, we're thinking about our little Iowa's, the places that we live, work, and play identifying where those people might be in a non-weird way. It's not like we're walking around with this meter, you know, or like just pointing and going, yep, they're not interested. Yep. <laughs> they're curious. You know, right. how weird would that be? But, but identifying <laughs> where they are, um, and, and helping them take steps on that, on that discipleship path, uh, that they too, with the idea that they too become a disciple maker. Yeah. Um, but I, I think where it gets sticky is a lot of times in leadership and all of us, no matter what our role is, um, I, I think and fall into this, we can get stuck in this idea of, is that different than what's expected of me? Is that different than my job description? Is that different than my responsibilities? And if so, how is it different? If not, <laughs> how, how do I... X, Y, Z, and this, or, you know, is, mm-hmm. is, is it stickier? And so I, th- I think we should unpack that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like how we, um, and yeah, like as we're in, in this path, like how do we lead people in, into the, taking the steps that they need to take Yeah, and, and engage with people. Um, I'm pulling up to just even before we yeah. leave those f- five big buckets, um, there's kind of some cool stuff that our church, this has been a long time coming. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't just like overnight, we should have five steps and here's what <laughs> they are. There are. A lot of people like really poured over this and, and put a lot of intentionality into it. So here are some of the things that, that our church has come up with. So that, so again, the five are uninterested, spiritually curious, new believer, being discipled and disciple maker. Um, so for the uninterested person, the kind of things that that person is needing from us is they're probably going to engage online in some way. They're going to check out our website or they're going to attend church online. You know, uh, how, how could we engage them by reaching out on social media with advertising? Because they're not looking for God. How do we go out and find them? Um, we might, you know, engage them following on social media. They might attend for the first time. Or um, the big idea here is we want them to become known. We want them to form one new relationship with someone who does know God, and that sets them on the next step of the journey for the yeah yeah. Were you gonna say well, something? Yeah, about that? no, I think that that's I mean that's just really key because now they're identifiable. You know, if if they move from this um, uninterested to somehow they become known, that just sends that that flare in the air of saying, hey, there's a curiosity that's going on here because people don't fill things out or identify. Uh, themselves if they're not curious. They're, they'd much rather stay in the dark, you know, yeah. be in the shadows, I should say. Absolutely. For someone who's spiritually curious now, um, for them, they might attend first step, mm-hmm. 
uh, which is like an introduction to who we are as a church and what we believe and how to get involved. Uh, or they might take a next step. So either they attend first step or they get involved with some of our next steps. You know, you've heard those uh, attend regularly and so, uh, serve purposely and so on and so forth. We won't go into that yeah. too deeply today. Yeah. Um, just even showing up again. Uh, they showed up once. Will they keep attending? Return yeah. attendance is a big goal at this stage um, and a big battle at this mm-hmm. stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting their kids engaged is another thing we are seeking out for these people. And then their big next step is to take a step over the faith line yeah. um, to get to the next phase. Um, then from there, that faith line step, I called it faith line earlier or new believer step. Um, here we would give people a faith line book. Yep. We, have, we have a great resource we can get in people's hands. And if you don't know how to get that, just you know, come find us on staff. We'll, we'll get a copy in your hands so you can give it to a friend. It's also available online. It's available online. Yeah. Yeah. Digital copy. Awesome. Um, and still for those people also attending first step and make taking next steps is still, um, the phase that they're in. Um, we have a class called first principles that sometimes people might get involved with. Um, from time to time we offer that. And then their big next step is to get baptized. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to have your act together to get baptized. (laughs) You, once you believe like it's time to show the world. Yeah. Um, moving right along to the being disciple, the fourth one. Uh, they're going to continue growing in next steps, uh, but they're also going to begin to take steps into leadership um, and they're going to kind of own their own faith journey and, and start growing themselves. And their big step then is to become a member of the church and, yeah. and to commit. Yeah, I'm all in on this mission of reaching Iowa. Um, yeah, and a word there that really helps, I think, you know, from from that being deci- or from new believer to being discipled, and you kind of hit on this is ownership. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's this, they're owning their faith. You think about that, but they're, um, and, and, and they start to own, uh, that faith journey. You know, they don't just own their faith. It doesn't become something, it, it doesn't just become something they grab onto, but it, uh, it also becomes something that they go, Hey, it's my responsibility uh, to continue to grow. Um, yeah. and, and it doesn't mean that they do that on their own, but it's their responsibility to continue to grow. But there's also another ownership level where, I'm going to own when I'm when we talk about membership. It's I'm going to own this this responsibility to uh, to continue not just to my faith and grow in my faith journey, but the the mission that God's called me to. And that is yep. uh, when, when we talk about Prairie Lakes Church. I mean, it's reaching Iowa um, essentially. I mean, bottom line to to do the fast forward version. And so there, uh, when we talk about membership, it's not just hey, let's get them through a class and let's just do these couple of things. But it's like I'm all in, I, and uh, whether that's Days after they stepped across the faith line and like they just said, you know what, I'm, I'm going from new believer right now to being discipled or it's it's months later. That's beside the point, but it's that ownership level. It just really starts to pick up. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> for sure. And yeah, ownership is is a piece of the of the leadership and the membership in there, too, that like um, t- turning from. So as in other words, as you start to make the transition from being discipled to the final one of disciple maker, yeah, um, that increased ownership yeah. and leadership and membership yep. um, means that now from just being fed the truth of God, yep. now you're feeding others. Yep. And that's what dis- where disciple maker comes in, the fifth one. Um, at this stage, you're owning the ministry, you're leading in the church, you're investing in little Iowa outside the church, and you're relationally focused on the uninterested. So you're, yep. you're heading back to the front door. Yep. You're heading back to those people that are your neighbors and friends and your little Iowa. 
and seeking them out yep. and showing them what it means to not to not be perfect, but to um, just be on a journey of yeah. growing in Christ. Yeah, and having a willingness to get um, kind of to, to to be able to get messy. You know, because uh, you never know what you're going to encounter. But yeah, a, a, a willingness to start over uh, with other people. When you think about how people can sometimes get stuck, yeah, uh, where do you see people sometimes get stuck in this path? Yeah, uh, definitely the being discipled. Um, you know, I mean, Fuller, uh, Pastor Fuller will will kind of rail against this, um, and, and and I I really do think for the most part, our culture across Iowa, our culture in our campuses um, gets this and we really uh, more often rise above, but um, we don't want to be a church. He'll, he'll say the, the statement is, we don't want to be a church of fat, happy, dumb Christians, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that's, that's a problem that the church has, has uh, the church in general has had for centuries of just um, believers step across the faith line, they get excited about Jesus, they come to know him, and then it's feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, well, what am I doing with all that food? <laughs> mm-hmm. What am I doing now that I, I'm just at this feast? Um, and so for us, we're saying, hey, that makes sense. Yes, you need to get fed. Uh, but again, go back to the word ownership. Um, it's uh, Some of that should be your responsibility. Don't just look um, out and go, hey, who's who's got uh, something for me? Uh, but go out and... Uh, take some responsibility, yeah. um, but but likewise, um, do something with what God's doing in you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you're if you're reading your Bible, if you're processing uh, messages, if you're worshiping more frequently, if you're praising more frequently, all those things. Like, if if you just consume, <laughs> mm-hmm. what, what are you what are you doing with it? <laughs> yeah. You know, and and so take that consumption and move. Um, let it pr- produce fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's that's the the easiest place to get stuck, and I think um, something to uh, that I was was kind of as as we walked down this path uh, of identifying uh, these different buckets or these different places on on the discipleship path. Mm-hmm. Um, I, something that just kind of was aha moment for me that uh, that I can remember getting hung up on. Um, as I was a young leader was this idea that if, if I move, uh, it was a handful of things, but one of them was if I move to disciple maker, mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I, I had this thought that that means then I'm giving up, uh, the, the growth. Like if I move there, what you're, t- if, if you're telling me, Hey Kyle, you need to move out of being a disciple maker or being, being discipled and move into disciple maker. Then what I was uh, hearing was you're telling me that I need to, I need to stop, I need to stop growing. Like I need to stop investing in my faith. I need to stop letting other people pour into me. That is far beyond the truth. Mm. But I think that's just one of those things that psychologically uh, we can either use as an excuse, like, cause we know, well, that's not true. Um, or it can be just like a, a crippling fear of like, I'm so excited about Jesus. I don't want to go back to old self. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I really like growing. Some people, I mean, I, honestly, I'm not one of them. But some people would even say, I like nerding out. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just want to just sit in these moments with, mm-hmm. with God um, in, in ways. But like it, to, to become a disciple maker doesn't mean you give up growing. It doesn't mean you give up your quiet time. It doesn't mean you give up any of those things. But what it does mean is I, I start to take those moments mm-hmm. and use them to give something away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, and and that it's not um, uh, the misconception would be that 
once I've arrived yeah. and now I'm teaching others that um, it's as if, well, if you think about even like a, let's say a, a classic teacher. Yeah. Um, if you're a third grade teacher, okay, I, I know how to do my multiplication tables. That is completed. Yep. And now I'm tr- changing from learning to being a, a teacher of other, like that's not really what the spiritual journey no. is like at all. It's like the wrong mindset. It's like, no, you n- actually never stop being discipled. Yep. Step four never ends in anyone's no. life. But the, sh- the shift is that I'm now going to include and be feeding others from what I'm learning and yeah. growing. And, or to think of a different analogy of like a well, it's not like you fill up the well until it's full and now you're going to empty it out and pour into others until you're empty. Correct. Like you've got to keep being refilled and you're, you're only able to teach others from what's kind of God is actively doing and growing Correct. in you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it can be, I mean, think about it. It can be equally as messy. Um, I, th- I think there, there are times when uh, Christ followers make a, uh, a poor decision to believe that they don't need uh, to be discipled anymore and they just become a disciple mm-hmm. maker and then, I mean, you hear it's like arrogance or like, I think I'm sometimes that's we even possibly like moral failures, you know, just leaders start to fall apart yeah. um, because it's like it, uh, whether it's an arrogancy, a pride, just a laziness, whatever it could be rooted in, but they, they have stopped. And so it goes back to that image of the well, like they, in some way, shape or form, they're believing <laughs> that I can still pour myself out and give away what I've learned. And yet there's no more there's no more discipleship happening for themselves. And it's just, it can be a big mistake. I think another pitfall with this is, um, I I think about how classic church, like our classic church, uh, mindset. Well, well, I don't know. The, the American church tends to fall into this category of like, there are pastors or maybe pastors and staff. Mm -hmm. And those are the disciple makers. Yeah. And then everyone else who comes to the church is being discipled. Yeah. And so it's an us and them. It's very clear. Uh, that's where the line is drawn and everyone else is learning. And in that sort of a false mindset, yep. um, the picture is like, all right, everyone who's being discipled, like that, disi- those disciple makers better really bring some <laughs> deep, awesome stuff yep. week after week after week so that I can grow deeper. Otherwise, I've learned everything and I'm kind of stalled out. Yep. And the reason that that whole thing plays out is because of a false theology Yeah. that there's that, there's this priesthood of believers that means that every one of us is priests. We're a kingdom yeah. and priests before our God. So yeah. like, um, it's not just the one person, but like we're all called to be ambassadors of Jesus sharing with others and, and the depth that we're all longing for we only find in the outflow. We only discover yeah. the depth of God as we start sharing it with others, and then we, you know, then we unlock that next level of growth and depth in Christ yeah. as we share it. Yeah, yeah. And you think about it. I mean, some of these other uh, other questions that uh, that we're prepared to talk about mm-hmm. um, today, even you know, like who who has who has been one of these individuals for us, or what does this look like? You know, I'm, I I think one of the mistakes. I mean, so. Um, Combined, I think we've been in ministry like 38 years or something like that. Um, and yeah. I'm sure you've heard some of the same stuff in different circles um, and, and in, in past conversations where it's like we, we are ultimately we're making this idea of discipleship way too hard. 
Um, you know, I've, I've sat in conversations um, in past situations with leaders, um, peers, staff, elders, um, and, and it's like we we almost uh, give our foreheads just this bloody bruise because we keep hitting our heads against the wall going, how are we going to make disciples? What's this process look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and ultimately, I think if we all just pause long enough and just go, how was I discipled? Yeah. More often than not, it, wa- it wasn't. It doesn't mean that it didn't have some of the things I'm going to say, but it wasn't this big theological... Uh, awakening. It wasn't, uh, you know, this really wise, it, it was just a, it was normal. I yeah. mean, if, if we just back, it was normal. It was somebody loving us. It was somebody or somebody's caring for us. It was, um, and, and in that, it was crucial conversations. In that, it was course correction. In that, it was care. It was love. Um, it, it, it was truth. I mean, they, they were sharing uh, scripture with us. Um, they were talking about what God was doing in their story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that uh, our... our uh, our pastors, you know, that were preaching uh, from the pulpit or the podcast we've listened to or other things weren't critical. It doesn't mean that we, we might not have had this uh, revival or awakening at a revival. Um, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean any of those, but, but, but I think if we're, if, if most, if, if we're honest, I think most of us would say mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the most wow filled, uh, moments in our discipleship journey were because somebody or somebody's were just being Jesus with skin on. I mean, we, we can't yeah. overuse use that. And I think s- uh, sometimes we probably underutilize that phrase, um, but they're just being Jesus with skin on. Um, I mean, as you, as you look at Jesus, Jesus's encounters <laughs> mm-hmm. with people, um, I mean, it, he, he was simple, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, he, he was thought provoking, um, but, but it wasn't, we just make it too hard. We, we make it unlike Jesus. I think at times, um, you know, I mean, and, and isn't that unique? I, uh, I, I would say this and then kind of just see, see what, where your head and your heart are at on this. But like, you know, even I I think it is, um, that scenario is deeply connected with our own, uh, difficulty to believe and accept that, uh, our responsibility, our greatest responsibility in this faith journey is to simply say, I surrender. I, I'm, I'm in, I accept. Yeah. We, we struggle with that because, uh, that, that's, that's it. You know I mean? You, you, you died for me and all I have to say is I believe, well, of, of course, I mean, that belief is more action for the rest of the days of our life. It's that working to believe. Uh, but like, we still can't, we still struggle with that. And and for some of us, we struggled there for a long time, you know, it's like trying to clean ourselves up or trying to believe that that was enough. But I think even once we get over that hump and we surrender, I think that that dilemma that we've placed our mind in continues in this whole discipleship maker scenario of just believing that the process has to be, you know, just <laughs> Very quick, but we can't figure out what what does that really look like. I mean, only Francis Chan can make, or <laughs> only you know, mm-hmm. Billy Graham, or you know, we. So, I can't, I can't, I can't. But it's uh, again because I think it's like we overthink over it, complicating. Yeah, we're just overcomplicating it. I, I think about there's a passage in the epistles where it's like, "Follow me as I follow Christ." Yeah, 
I mean, it's just that simple. Yeah. Uh, um, and I'm going to be following Christ in a messy, you know, zigzaggy kind of yeah. line. Um, and I'm not going to have it all figured out along the way, but, but still follow my lead because I'm pursuing Christ. And if yeah. you're following me, you're going to be following Christ too. Yeah. Um, and it's not because Christ is zigzagging. Right. And it's that's cause I'm, <laughs> yeah. cause I, you know, have my ups and downs yeah. and my failures and flaws. Yeah. That's right. And yeah. yeah. So, um, so let's turn to the, the real practical, um, when we think about our own experiences of like what it means to become a disciple maker, um, who, who, who are the people who have discipled us Yeah, and, and what did that look like? So for me, um, it very much started in my family. Yep. We cannot forget that parents are the primary disciplers. Um, so there's, there's that kind of uh, a reality. And so, mm-hmm. so don't lose sight of that. That's, that's where, man, it's hard to find discipleship relationship that is more strong and powerful than, than the parent child relationship. So that's, that's my story all the way through. I also, uh, I went to a Christian school, had a lot of discipleship there day in, day out, day in, day out. Um, going to church was a part of my discipleship journey. But, um, when I think of specific mentors, I think of my third and fourth grade Sunday school teacher, Mm -hmm. Um, she would bring in, it, it wasn't in the curriculum, it wasn't required, but she would bring in gifts for kids. And she was really generous if we memorized Bible verses. Yeah. And like, I'm still standing on those today. I think about in high school, um, I had peers um, who invested in me and invited me to things and stretched me. And then um, there was an honors English teacher, uh, Jim Fenske. And he led a Bible study for teens and every Monday night, I'd go to that Bible study and two hours, and I soaked it up. I, mm. I, the time that he invested in us as teens um, was enormous. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and some of that was in group settings. Some of it was one on one. And then I also think um, in college, I had uh, two pastors, David Olson and uh, Gary Gilbertson, who really, really invested in me and put personal time teaching me what it meant to follow Jesus. And, and those are people, and I could mention a lot more, um, in, in ministry later, um, I found a mentor in Tom Croyder who Hmm. is a worship author and we would meet once a month and he would listen. And, um, for a guy who was like a total expert in his field, he, he was surprisingly, uh, simple in what he shared. It was just, hearing how things were going and giving encouragement and a little bit of feedback. So it wasn't, it wasn't rigid or forced or weird. It was just people who over time consistently, regularly were in my life. Yeah. It's so good as I, as I was just listening to you. um, And, you know, even as I was preparing for this, I, I felt a little guilty because I'm like, man, it's just, it's all over the place for me. And as I was listening to you, like it, it, it just kind of gained some clarity here of, um, uh, there's sure there, there are individuals that I could identify that played really significant roles in my discipleship journey Mm -hmm. along the way. They, I mean, they were there for, uh, such a time as this, you know, but like ultimately as I think about it, I mean, there, there is, when you said, uh, sure, I could list more people just going, Man, 
all along for the last 38 years, from, from the day I entered the world uh, until today, there have just been faithful disciple makers that whether it's people that I have a long-standing relationship with or it's people that I have just a, a, a really small blip of time with that said what they needed to say, mm. that did what they needed to do, um, and uh, just continue to help move me forward. It's um, And so like just, just thinking about... Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sure more of us would say, yeah, there is that, there's that person that I would think like, who's had the most influence in my story. We might be able to identify a singular person or a couple. Right. But ultimately, I mean, it's, it's a tribe, it's gobs of people yeah. that are just, they've said yes to being disciple makers. And I don't know when I was listening to you, I'm just thinking how freeing is that mm-hmm. for us when it's like, man, if I just live on mission as a disciple maker, there's going to be moments that I think God calls us to very specific people for long amounts of time. Yeah. But how crazy is it to believe that there are, if, if there are other people that are sitting around right now, if, if, if there are people that are sitting around recording a podcast somewhere else and they, they would probably say, yeah, that time with Nathan, you know, those, those, those moments with Kyle that, and, and you and I would, would probably, if we could be sitting in that same room, we, we might be kind of surprised. Like, mm-hmm. wow, but but because <laughs> at our best in those scenarios, we were living on mission uh, to be disciple makers, it, it was exactly what God had asked us to do. And it just, yeah. for those people, it was boom, <laughs> yeah. you know, the light bulb. So, Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and there's there's so many different... Um, different people along the way. Sometimes it's long-term, sometimes it's very short-term, sometimes yeah. it's a conversation. Yeah. Um, but God uses all of that. Yeah. Um, and and <laughs> this is a little bit of off topic, but like there's negative disciple makers yeah. too, right? Yeah. Um, you can be discipled by anyone who is, you know, compelling and you're following their lead. Yeah. Um, bad influences, people who get you off course, people who steer you astray. Yeah. Um, so who you choose to be discipled by really matters. Yeah. Um, that's interesting you say that because there, there was a, I just want to highlight this for anybody who, who wants to go and look and like try to characterize, uh, you know, just t- take a list and think about what, what defined the disciples in the new Testament, mm-hmm. um, essentially defined, uh, were the same type of characteristics that defined the disciples of the Pharisees and Sadducees, you know, these religious leaders that God was consistent, Jesus was consistently railing against, you know? Um, so absolutely, you know, I mean, it's, it's very interesting. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're obedient. They're, you know, they're disciplined. It's like, well, yeah. So are people who are people who aren't doing the right thing. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. when yeah. I think about, um, uh, when I think about Jesus, so, Jesus was the original disciple maker. Yeah. Um, what what we're kind of painting here is that there's a lot of forms of how discipleship can look, and just if you're having influence on someone else, you're discipling them. the The gold standard <laughs> that we see in Jesus is that he invited people into his life, twelve guys, mm-hmm. and they were not wise or talented, or there was. They were actually kind of the rejects, yeah. but he saw something in them. He saw an availability in them. Yeah. Um, like availability trumps ability every time. And they, they said, yeah, I'll follow you. And and then he, he invited them 
into his life and they followed him everywhere he went and they were in his footsteps and they, they ate together and they talked together and Jesus would do this public ministry of preaching and teaching and doing miracles. But then he had this like constant togetherness ministry yeah. with these disciples. And so, and he did that for three years. So it was a small group. It wasn't thousands. It was yeah. 12 and he's the son of God. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, it doesn't need to be a lot of people. Um, like even if it's just one yeah. that you really invite into your life. So um, I think maybe, well, uh, these aren't really in our notes, Kyle, but yeah. um, I'm thinking about two questions just to pose to any of you guys who are listening right now, whoever you may be. Yeah. I hope someone's listening. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Give us a thumbs up or a like or something. You know, don't don't social media people say that. I don't know. Uh, let us know you're listening, but um I think plot yourself on that discipleship path. Hmm. Like, where are you? Um, maybe you haven't stepped over the faith line. Yeah. You haven't fully trusted Christ as your savior. Um, maybe you're, you know, chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you might not be uninterested. You you might be spiritually curious. I don't know. You, you might be in that, in that zone. Yeah. You might've just stepped over the faith line and now this is all brand new and there's a lot to learn. Um, you know, no pressure to, suddenly turn around and make disciples of others, you might, you might have some growth first and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, or you might find yourself like, Hey, if I'm honest, I'm being discipled, I'm receiving, but I'm not really doing a lot to invest in others. Yep. Um, or you might be a disciple maker and today, uh, it's like a challenge to up your game to learn a little bit more how to be a good disciple maker. So yeah. plot yourself on that discipleship path. Um, and then maybe the, the other question would be, who are the people that either you are discipling mm-hmm. or that God would be calling you to disciple? Yeah. Um, they're different than just the people you see every day. Who are the people in your neighborhood? Like <laughs> it's not everybody. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the few that God kind of brings to mind. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but don't be so hard on yourself that it's like, uh, it, it really is way more intuitive than what we think. You know, um, who, who, who are the people that I should be discipling? It, it more than likely is the people you see every day, but to, to uh, hi- highlight what you're, you're saying there, it's, it does, it's not everybody you're seeing. Right. And so like right. who, who, who is, who is that? It really don't give yourself the bloody bruise hitting your head against the wall. Like it's so hard. I don't know. I don't know. You, you do. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, I, w- I would highlight, you know, um, when I talk about my faith journey, I always talk, my, my, I mean, my parents are part of that. Um, and and my, parent, my parents are uh, very good and perfect people. Uh, they got me to church. They, they, they don't try to be something they're not. But mm. I grew up in this standard North American Christian home that um, I knew going to church was important. And we were at the church every weekend that we could possibly be. My parents made sure that I had uh, key leaders in my life, you know, through Sunday mm-hmm. school and youth group and different, um, just uh, other different experiences. But, you know, this, the standard, the reason why I say it's standard is because, like, I owned a Bible, but I didn't, I mean, no one ever incur- in my own home didn't encourage me really to read it or teach me how to. Yep. Um, and so it's kind of, but pretty standard, I think, in North America. Um, and yet, those same individuals, uh, my mom and my dad were the the two loudest people saying, "Hey, God's calling you to ministry," um, and they and they wouldn't give that up, um, you know. And so, what, what was unique is like, I didn't I didn't learn a lot of my 
my spiritual formation didn't really come from my parents. A lot of it didn't. Um, but, but there's also a lot of great qualities, uh, um, on my, uh, along the path that I've learned from them. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, and, and I would say, so I, I mm-hmm. just said my parents didn't teach me how to read the Bible. Uh, I would, I would highlight, like my parents didn't teach me how to apologize. Right. So like, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking out loud, like, and so that, that journey where they were like all over the place, going back to what you were saying, like, I might be up, I might be down. I might be bad. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I learned a lot of bad things from my parents that I'm st- still trying to undo. And this isn't, if my parents listen to this, it's not a harp on them at all. Um, my, my girls are doing the same thing. Your kids are doing the same <laughs> yeah. thing. You know, right. they're learning just as many bad things as there are good things from us. Yeah. But yet in the midst of, in the midst of, uh, that bad, or maybe in the midst of like the, the, the absent teaching in, in my discipleship journey, um, again, I still was learning from my parents that Jesus, Jesus needs to be the most important. And, and there was enough, uh, there, there was enough trust built there, even though today at 38, there's so much that I didn't learn from my parents uh, on just how to be a, um, a forgiving person um, or, or even somebody who asked for forgiveness. Uh, I, I, I learned from them, God's calling you to ministry. Mm. And I mean, so I would definitely, you know, it's, it's just unique. So like, don't, don't set yourself up for like, oh, I got to think this is really, who are those people? And man, I'm a bad dad. Or I'm I'm not that great of a husband, or mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I, you know I'm I'm a horrible daughter. What whatever you could be saying right now, um, God's got you right where He wants. Like as you're thinking those things, some of what you're thinking it's it's not true, yeah. a. <laughs> but He's also getting your attention. Yeah, yeah, give yourself some grace and pay attention to what He wants to do in you right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, There's only one perfect disciple maker. Yeah, and we're not we're not called to be, we're called to be on a journey to that, but we're, you know, anyway, one of my, one of my, uh, yeah, one of my teachers, one of my rabbis was, uh, was a track coach Mm. and it was just for a short season that he was our coach. He was a fill-in and he, he always said, relax and run faster, relax and run faster, relax and run faster. And his, the premise is that like a lot of times when a runner is tense, um, they're, you know, all the blood is rushing to the wrong places instead of the muscles where it belongs. Mm. And so like relax. And that, that was the word that was coming to mind as you were sharing that, like give, yeah. yourself, give yourself some grace, like yeah. relax yeah, and run faster. Like you have more potential than you think you do. Yeah. But if you, if you're always beating yourself up yep. and say, I'm not good enough, then, yep. then the attention and the energy is going in, in the wrong directions. Yep. And uh, another quote that came to mind as you're sharing that last part was, um, you were kind of talking about how some aspects of what you learned from your parents was really great yeah. and others weren't. And I was thinking about, there's a Wayne Cordero quote that somebody shared with me years ago. That's really stuck, which is you'll teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that, I mean, that is discipleship a hundred percent. And, um, if you're, if you're wanting to grow in your capacity to disciple others, where do you start is actually yourself. Yeah. Um, God, what am I holding back? What am I just, I'm giving you almost all of my heart except yep. for this area or that area and, you know, become the kind of person you want people to imitate. Yep. Um, we, when we think about the real practical, like, all right, here's some examples of how we've been discipled. And now what would it look like for a person who's listening to this podcast to say, yeah, I want to, I want to get better at discipling. What kind of things would I begin to do? 
Uh, defining that list of disciples is a huge first step. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then what to do with those people. Um, lately, we've been discovering something about the power of one-on-one mm-hmm. um, conversations. Uh, do you want to give a little context about that? Yeah. Uh, well, and, and help me if I'm not hitting it. Um, but, but I think... Um, uh, one of the one of the key things that we're seeing in one on ones um, is uh, you know and, and we're thinking like staff meetings or uh, you know in, uh, with with supervisors and supervisee supervisee yeah. supervisees is that the right way to say that uh, sure okay peeps as he rolls his eyes I don't know <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> um, but uh, some some of those the characteristics in that is uh, being present, asking asking uh, the right questions, care. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not coming into that situation. How can I lead you? Mm-hmm. You know, Nathan. You know, because I I supervise you, and and mm-hmm. sometimes that feels really weird because we are. Um, even though I'm the campus pastor here, uh, I mean, we are very much so peers, I, I think of rather than, you know, in the org chart, how it looks, but, um, other than I do all your laundry, which I'm kind of <laughs> resentful. of. <laughs> Is that going to stop soon? <laughs> but you know, it, uh, I, I could easily come into our one-on-one meetings and think that I have a lot that I should tell you. Um, and, uh, and, and then maybe even sometimes, um, uh, try to get you to consider how to do your job the way that I want you to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some of those traits carry into just life in general um, and, and, and a healthier way to, to do things are like, hey, how can I be praying for you? Mm-hmm. Um, hey, what are, uh, what's, in, in, instead of telling you how to do ministry, really listen, ask the question, what's, what's mm-hmm. going on in your ministry? Yeah. Um, and I, kn- you know, like thinking about that, like, duh, if I don't know those things as your supervisor, Am I really doing my job? But yeah. um, the, the the interesting thing is just ask, asking some of those questions um, uh, ahead of time or in, in, in those conversations in the one-on-one. Um, but, you know, it's uh, – I, I think also um, – I don't know where Chris Rigg got this, but I call it a Riggism. Uh, but I think one of those things uh, that needs to be present in one-on-ones as well is to be more interested than interesting. And that sure, that can mm-hmm. come with questions, but – I find myself more frequently still even to this day having to bite my tongue and not making those situations about me. So whether it's in a staff conversation or it's in a conversation with my kids or my wife or somebody else that's in, you know, in my world, um, it's not a, I've got a story to one up. It's not, uh, mm. you know, I, I've, I've even got a story that can relate. There, there are appropriate times for some of those things, but it, it really is still is just like, how do I make your heart, your leadership, your discipleship, the target? How do I do that? Mm-hmm. And I think when we're at our best, that's the question that we're consistently fighting for. And you do that really well. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm not seeking a raise here. Uh, like, <laughs> Good, uh, you're not getting one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you, you, um, you do ask those questions. You don't micromanage in those one-on-ones. You, you yeah. uh, give a lot of freedom for all of us on the team to um, to innovate and approach things from our own point of view, and you 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 let us wrestle through it rather yeah. than just jumping in and solving, which is huge for discipleship. Because if you're if you're just providing answers, yeah, like a, like a kind of slot machine, um, you know that's not discipleship. Like you want to teach us to think yeah. um, with uh, with more wisdom, and so y- you do that really really well, and. And also, um, I think that uh, we've just been lately uncovering that 
there's a lot of times that we maybe meet with leaders in groups. Mm. And, you know, when we talk about this one-on-one, not only um, are we saying, here's some ways to do a great one-on-one, but even just like if you're currently meeting with the people you lead only in groups, mm-hmm. um, maybe begin to shift that and say, all right, the groups aren't bad, but I'm going to also carve out time. This is a personal conviction of mine these days. Sure. That I, I'm often leading the people on my teams in group settings and I need to also carve out time for one-on-ones um, because what we've been discovering is that almost everyone who has risen up in different levels of leadership in this organization, someone invested one-on-one time in them and that resulted in them being inspired and like, I see something in you that yep. you don't see in yourself and yep. you have more potential than you think you do. Um, yeah. Those kind of things just breathe incredible life into people. Well, yeah, and, and I... Uh Man, I'm, I'm in in real time, and I'm sure this idea is an original, but that that that's what our faith journey looks like. I mean, mm. we put ourselves we're we're in this body. We do we do things corporately, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's worship or it's small group or it's serving, and we do that inside and outside the walls. We do it as the church, mm-hmm. sometimes in the church, but as the church. Um, but man, shame on us. If that's, you know, if, if that's where it begins and ends, um, doesn't mean that that isn't, uh, that God doesn't do amazing things in us as we approach him in those times. Um, but, but I really believe if most of us backed up and said, Hey, when has been some of the most amazing moments in our faith journey? Mm -hmm. It's been in those one-on-one conversations with Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) And sometimes they've sucked. You know, I mean, like I'm thinking about myself, like I'm starting to get a little, like I can feel it as I think Mm -hmm. about that. Just like, it's, it's when, you know, that good shepherd that he calls himself, uh, you know, uh, brings me in uh, as this sheep and goes, what in the world are you doing? You're beat up. What have you been running in? Who you been running with? Mm. You know, uh, and yet his kindness, he goes, I'm not going to make you figure this out on your own. You know, I'm not going to make you heal on your own. Um, but I am going to discipline you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you shame on you. Um, but I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to help course direct you. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to let you go. And I'm going to let you decide, am, am I going to listen to his voice or am I going to go back with the dummies that I've been doing whatever with, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, yeah, I think God can do that in large crowds. I think he can do that in corporate worship in small groups. Absolutely. God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. But man, when you think about the one-on-one conversation, I think most of us would say some of the most powerful times in our faith journey hmm. is when we've made the time to have the one-on-one. That one-on-one's, I mean, the one-on-one with God. Yeah, and it's and it's yeah. always available. You know, it's different than any other one-on-one we're ever going to have. I don't have to arrange a time and go, "Hey, God, do you have time tomorrow at ten o'clock?" Because that's <laughs> when I got time. Um, doesn't mean that we shouldn't make that time on our calendar. Sometimes yeah. we need that discipline, right? But when you and I make one-on-one times, we have to put that on the calendars to make sure that our two schedules align. Yeah, we, God's always approachable. Yeah. There's, there's no timeline that we can't go to him and go, hey, do you got time for me? He's always interruptible. That's very much like hitting me hard right now, the, mm. the constant availability of God. Like, yeah. I don't think about the miracle of that yeah. very often. Like, you know, you talk about it even as a little kid, like God will always hear you, but yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> the God of the universe is always listening. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. It's, 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 it's a, yeah. It gives you goosebumps, puts, you know, makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. I think too, as, as, as you were sharing that, um, just before I jump back in here, um, you know, 
we say this all the time and and I'm, and I'm not sure how much we believe in its power. Um, but the, the best way we can be disciple makers is to invite people to see Jesus at work in us. Yeah. Here, here's where the rubber meets the road though. <laughs> we can do really, really good jobs at inviting people in. Um, but I think we can stop there. Uh, do we let them see Jesus at work in us? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, I, I, we've gave, we, we're given our listeners some questions. I, I would throw back in here another one of just like, um, is there anything making you believe that Jesus doesn't have work to do in you right now? Mm. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, because I mean, it, it, it stings to say this and to believe it, but there's always work for him to do in us mm-hmm. because there's pieces of us that are, that are sinful that aren't, that don't look like him. Um, like the line, I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, yeah. my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all and you still yeah. call me friend. And, um, Jesus didn't have to disciple this way cause he had no weaknesses, but we yeah. get to, um, disciple in our, in sharing yeah. our vulnerabilities and weaknesses yeah. and the ways we've screwed up, which is kind of cool. Well, yeah, man, this could get really, really deep, really weird too. Um, but you know, we, we struggle with Jesus. When you said that Jesus, you know, we struggle with this idea that Jesus was fully God and fully, uh, man at the same time. Like we are, our infinite minds, our finite minds can't understand like that infinite truth and, uh, fully. I mean, we just, we, we can't wrap, but, um, though, though Jesus was perfect, uh, just, I don't, I don't know what theologically this is going to do. I'm going to say it anyway. Um, (laughs) you know, he was perfect. And yet as, as man, don't you think that his, his godliness had to be at work, you know, thinking about like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. In a way that is that he chose to become, he chose to take on our weakness. Yeah. Not, not our, um, well, he did take on our flaws in the sense that he carried them, but yeah. But yeah, he chose to limit himself. It's like that Philippians 2 yeah. became nothing even unto death. And yeah, like in order to meet us where we were at, yeah. He he stepped into our human weakness. Yeah. Yeah, so in the, you know, when we when you think about like um fully God, fully man. F- fully man on the night that he was betrayed and ends up in the garden. Mm-hmm. Um fully man would have been like waging war, you know, and, mm-hmm. and yet <laughs> mm-hmm. like he let Jesus be at work in him, mm-hmm. uh, and do what he's asking us to do, you know, uh, turn, turn to me, trust, trust me, um, behave like this, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, so here, here's the thing, yeah. like just the fact that, yeah, well, be, yeah, not to interrupt, but yeah. th- that he struggled like we do. Yeah. And yet wasn't without sin. Correct. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we say that statement, uh, invite people so they can see Jesus at work in you. If, if you're, uh, you might be inviting them, but you might not be letting them see that work in you. Why are you believing? What, what's holding you back uh, from believing that there, there isn't something that God's wanting to work out in you? I think another thing just to think about there is, and I think about this imagery, um, you know, not all of us are parents, but um, as parents or not of all, all of us are married, but I, I think in our, in our house with those roommates, it's one of the best places to let this practice out. Um, 
you know, uh, and, and, it, and it's, and I think it's in its purest form. And so, you know, I, I stub my toe and, um, I say something I don't want to say or typically say, and my kid hears that. Um, I mean, just think, thinking about like how easy of a situation that is, just let them see Jesus at work in us. If they're not used to seeing us apologize, they're not used to seeing other people when they make that kind of mistake or that decision say, Hey, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Like that's, that's Jesus at work in us, that conviction of yeah. I did something wrong. And it's not, it's not like sitting hope down and, you know, I'm thinking of my oldest who might be the most aware of situations like that, sitting her down and going, um, hey, hope, when you stub your toe, don't do these things. Or, you know, here's how daddy is going to fix this. I'm going, it, it, it's just doing it. It's just doing it, yeah. letting Jesus be at work in us. And so it's like asking for forgiveness, course correcting, doing those things, but it's not turning the spotlight on and, hey, this is what God's doing, and I want you to see it. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, another practical thing, so one of the things we say a lot is like develop overdue. Yeah. Um, another way, practical way that you can disciple others is in your tasks to bring some along with someone along with you so that you're not just the one doing those tasks all by yourself, alone somewhere. Yep. But someone's watching you um, and learning and observing and trying it. Um, the, the formula that I've heard, got this from Community Christian in Naperville. Um, um, I do, you watch mm. is step one. I do, you help is step two. And then you flip and you, you start to have them take the lead. Uh, you do, I help. Uh, you do, I watch. So now you're, you're easing off your involvement in the process. And then the final step is they reproduce it with others. Um, you do, someone else watches. Yeah. That's step five. So that formula with any like task-based thing, when you think about apprenticing, which is kind of like discipleship. Yeah. Um, I think it's fair to say that in any ministry anywhere, we're giving people authority not just to do that task, but also to give that task away yeah. as they train and develop other people to do it. So be looking for ways to, to give away the tasks you do. Yeah. And in that, absolutely, I, I would say simultaneously, like, don't miss the opportunity. I mean, at, at its at its core, discipleship, um, you you get a chance. One one of one of the 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 fabrics in the core is is just that opportunity to care, you know. So as as you're as you're teaching somebody, as you're doing ministry with somebody, as you're leading somebody, like, ask them ask them questions, point them in the direction, mean it when you do those things. Mm. Um, you know, that, that is one of those ways that we get to, we get to let them see Jesus at work in us because that's not intrinsic. It's not yeah. our own sinful nature. We, we don't, we don't really care about other people. That's the fruit of God. I mean, God's producing that in us. Mm -hmm. uh, we're selfish by nature, right? And so let them see that, yeah. you know, otherwise I think we can fail if it's just task, 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 task. All those things still yeah. have to happen as part of life. But man, if we, we can do that really well and still miss the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, unless you include people in it. And, yeah. Um, yeah. How cool would it be, you guys, if um, there's there's a, well, it's a drive-through, but there's another coffee shop coming to town yeah. soon. Uh, <laughs> but how cool would it be? Uh, um, uh, Central, Central Perk just reopened. Yeah. And it's really cool inside. How cool would it be if, like, the, all the coffee shops in town were packed solid with believers discipling other people hmm. who are somewhere on this journey, like, Let's pack the coffee shops, you guys. Um, let's find, let's make room in our schedule 
Uh, let's identify those people. Like we were talking about, who are who are your people? Where yeah. are you at in your journey? Who are the people that you can identify to begin pouring into? How can you put them as a regular part of your schedule? Yeah. And start meeting with them and start including them in your life so they can see Jesus at work in you. Yep. Um, I mean, that's discipleship. Yeah. Any final thoughts before? Well, I'm we just thinking you're so cityish. I'm thinking like rodeos and deer stands. Like, what if those yeah. were filled with people discipling people? City. city I'm so cityish. 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 City not, like, not like insidious, like evil. <laughs> like, well, maybe, maybe some people see it as evil. That <laughs> city, city boy. Uh, play video games with me. I don't know. <laughs> come, come watch nerdy Marvel movies with me. That's what indoorsmen do. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, don't join me on the deer stand. You yeah. won't learn a darn thing, <laughs> and I won't be there. <laughs> oh, it was a cold invite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, my, my last 10% as we're wrapping up, if you're still listening. Um, they might not be. Yeah, they, they really <laughs> might not be. Um, but but in all honesty, my, my last 10% here is, uh, like, like Nathan asked the question, I d- identify where you're at. But I just would, if if I can pastor you for a second, um, don't don't stay stuck there. Um, understand uh, that God has he he didn't just give us uh, the the command to go make disciples for command's sake. He invited us in on it. So obviously he believes we can. And in our inadequacies and in our inabilities, where where we are weak, he is strong. Um, and so he's placed you right where he wants you. And, uh, so, so, so go be him with skin on. Um, that's good. Yeah. Let me wrap us up with prayer. Heavenly father, thanks for just this conversation that we've had today. Um, thanks for the people who have poured into us. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the people who are listening, who are going to pour into others and Lord, uh, let your kingdom continue to spread and grow and increase as we just share you with one more person and one more person and one more person. Hmm. Uh, God, you're good. Thank you for these leaders. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.